My spidey sense is tingling. He's the host that when he sees four large anthropomorphic turtles break into his nightclub, he just might freestyle rap at you. He's slim. He's the host of this paper keg thing we do, landmark episode 249. Welcome to the show, Slim. It's all been leading to this. You know, paperkeg.com, three dear friends get together around the fire and talk about a book that they all read. This week and next week, one singular comic book. The first ever Uncanny X-Force. And then we'll read your letters live to close out the show. Letters at paperkeg.com. Uh, this particular episode, we'll be doing Uncanny X-Force Book 1, which I believe is the first four trade paperbacks Ooh. of Uncanny X-Force by Rick Remender and Friends. But we have three living hosts with us, you know, been with us the whole ride. As it comes to a close, finally, uh, VP of merch, VP of fishing today, you know, taking these big old iPhone pics, you know, nature, mm-hmm. VP of nature, Dale underscore it. Welcome back to the show. VP of nature, uh, fastly holding my phone above the, the embankments of Cedar Lake that I was standing in, uh, not shortly after about a, a foot and a half black snake slithered between oh. my feet. Uh-huh. Yep. No. Nature. No. Getting back to it. Baiting a hook I'd like I was uh, like I'm, like when I'm 14 and I disappear to go fishing all day with my friend Andy. Turns out uh, when I get home, I was so late, my mom took me to the police station to scare me into never doing it again. Wow. And what happened to Andy. What was Andy? Andy, in this Andy's he's still, still a lot of drugs uh, now. He's into drugs. Andy gets away. He's like one of those kids where he just anything goes. He could do whatever. Uh-huh. Yeah. You don't even know if he had a home. He just showed <laughs> yeah. up at locales. He had a home. He built this very elaborate shanty at the back in his backyard. He lived across the street from me, Andy. And uh, murder house. It was like, was it murder it was like a two-story shanty that you had to crawl into, but. Between him and his three brothers, I mean, they were just up to no good. Influencing me to stay out late and fish. My mom wasn't having any of that. I feel like that's the least... of you tonight. That's the least bad thing you could do when you're out with your friends. Like, I can't think of anything less harmful than fishing. I mean, Jones, you don't know what kind of creepos are hanging around that lake. Would you let your young son walk down the street, go fishing by himself? At three? Absolutely not. There you go, because fishing's too dangerous. Fact. Four three-year-olds, you're right. 
It's almost like bare knuckle boxing. Yeah, I wouldn't let your son do that. Thank you. You're a better parent we than have, I. We have one living host remaining as we come together to talk about Uncanny X-Force. He's a writer, unpublished, mind you. Never been published officially. By, by choice. Paid for it. Uh, Jonesy Loves Beer, welcome back. Thank you. Uh, you know, this is a special Saturday night recording. You know, the kimonos didn't even come on. You know, fully parted. Oh yeah, it's Saturday. You know, this is a this is a very uh, the you know very transparent paper cake tonight. So I can't wait for the truth to fly. Mm-hmm. There's a very sheen. There's a very thin sheen to the kimono tonight. <laughs> we we were recording so late in the game that we actually. Tomorrow we probably have to record book two of Uncanny X Force. <laughs> uh, I haven't even started yet. It's like in seventy hours from now. Right. <laughs> Jonesy's done, FYI. So it's like an issue every ten hours, and you're good. Oh boy, two hundred forty-eight, two hundred forty-nine episodes is always the plan, <laughs> as Jonesy would say. If only completing the first half of Uncanny X Force in our book reviews, always the plan. Remember that was our <laughs> tribute to you. <laughs> Maybe we go on another extended hiatus, you know, and rejuvenate ourselves. See if we can make this work. <laughs> Episode 251, coming back 2020. Uh, wow. We have a lot to talk about. This is four trades we did. Maybe we should just hop right into it. Four trades worth Rick Remender and friends. Yeah, Rome, Opeña, uh, Dean White, to name a few. Jonesy, can you... Can you explain what this book is to maybe those who haven't read it or know what X-Force is? Techno-Organic Wings. This should, this book should be called Uncanny X-Force, subtitle, We're Going to Make Archangel Relevant. Sub-subtitle, Technic-Organic Wings. Techno-Organic <laughs> Wings. Worthington. I love to look into your big brown eyes. They talk to me and seem to hypnotize. They say the things nobody dares to say. And I'm not about to let you fly away. My lover with no jetty leg was staying up all night in my sleeping bed. Oh man, I could have continued to lip sync that for the next thirty odd minutes. That could have been the episode. It it really could have. We could have just taken over. We could do the entire entirety of the run next week. Saturday Night Live, Paper Cake, SNL PK. Why don't you think Aerosmith gets enough current day, quote unquote, classic props? their catalog i feel like there's a lot of hits in their catalog but they don't really get their due is because he's kind of a crazy person now i i would say that in my humble opinion that because their songs were always on like especially in the 80s and 90s became more pop than they were classic rock that maybe that the rock 
aficionados don't categorize them in the same bands as like Zeppelin or the Rolling Stones. Because you got to figure, they broke up for a big chunk of the 80s. And when they came back as the original lineup, they made albums like Pump. You know, uh, so it was like much more poppy rock that was kind of like that dirty, sexy, you know, train kept a rolling, you know, toys in the the attic. They were like the Foo Fighters of the time, I feel like. You might be right. I would say that's a very favorable comparison. Yeah. That's a very, yeah. It's... It's true. It's very true, and it's. I, I mean, you're right. Like, I just they don't. I they're not held up on the same pedestal. And I think maybe, I don't know. I couldn't even begin to know why they've never really changed. They've always stuck together. They've had their problems, but maybe it's because they did go uh, kind of with the times. Maybe maybe mm-hmm. because they kept trying. And they get faulted for that. You know what I mean? It's like maybe could be. It's written it's a, into history that how dare they for for because they keep trying. Whereas, you know, what the Rolling Stones do too. I don't know. I kind of compare it to like Metallica's timeline because once they cut their hair and they put out like Load and Reload, like a lot of like they're not considered like heavy metal icons as much as they are, you know, twenty years ago. But they're still selling out arenas all over the country because they, you know, they want off book. Maybe that's why the reverence mm. isn't quite there. We got to get back on track. I'm sorry. Are we doing a comic book podcast? I apologize. All right. <laughs> Techno organic wings. Right. <clears throat> so Cyclops comes to Wolverine and he's like, even though one day I'll become a war criminal, it's, yeah, I need you to form a team they can do all the dirty jobs that we cannot as X-Men. We need the, you know, we're going to take the spotlight. We need you to be in the shadows, you know, doing it for mutant kind. So Wolverine forms a perfect team. And by perfect, I mean it's got five people. That's the perfect number for an X team. Uh, it's Wolverine, Psylocke, Archangel, Deadpool, and ready for this fan favorite, Phantom X. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's just assuming there are five Phantom X fans out in the universe who love that character. So <clears throat> they are in their first foray into herodom, uh, tasked with killing the reincarnation of Apocalypse. So, you know, the evils are able to reincarnate an apocalypse and he's just a kid and he's evil and so the uncanny x-force they or is he they kill him know. you know what i mean they kill him he's dead and this kind of sets off the tone for the first major arc which is the first 19 issues and through the 19 issues and i, I don't want to give like the most long-winded uh, synopsis because I already spent 12 minutes deconstructing Aerosmith's, you know, later 80s career. Um, basically, Archangel becomes the successor to Apocalypse. He becomes the heir apparent to, like, the Apocalypse Empire. And we find out that Warren has, Warren being Angel, has kept the Archangel persona, like, in a cage in his mind that's been held by Psylocke. Mind cage. Um, which is classic X Men, you know. Rogue had Miss Marvel in his in her mind cage, you know. It's just a typical X Men thing. And 
throughout the issues. Um, Typical muty behavior. <clears throat> cla- classic mutant profile. Uh, and there was one issue, a classic Wolverine issue that I'll go into at a later time. Uh, but at the end of the 19 issues, um, the X-Force is able to break Archangel out of his evilness. And surprise, surprise, Kid Apocalypse wasn't really dead all along. He's been raised by two Kansas farmers in a dream world set up by that lovable Phantom X. And, uh, you know, the next phase, the apocalypse as a hero at the X-Men Academy with the X-Force still in the shadows will continue for the second half of X-Force. Left a lot out in the middle. Yeah, but you did what you could in this uh, (laughs) Mm -hmm. epic undertaking. Bookends, really. Bookends. We did four, four trades. First one was them tracking down Apocalypse, who turned out to be a kid. Second one was the Deathlock Nation, where the kind of superheroes that were turned into Deathlocks come to our world and try to assimilate. And then three and four were the Dark Angel saga, mm-hmm. uh, when Archangel came loose and took over. And... I don't know. I don't know how we want to start. If we want to do overall, I, I think we always do something different. Maybe for the big ones. Can I, can I start I out know. with a question to to both of you? Because I did yeah. think of this question while reading this book. Uh, when did Archangel become such a badass? Was he always that way, or did this book, like, did Remendo take a character who had waned in popularity and kind of waned in mm. significance? And was kind of given the keys to the castle to make him whatever he wanted. To to be fair, I don't think I read the uh, X Force stuff before this, which I think our Angel was a part of, or Archangel. I'm not super positive. I know, like you know, Thunderbird or whatever his son's name was was in it. Domino Warpath. probably at some point. Yeah, Warpath. I don't know, but I, I didn't know Warpath that Warpath is a son. Arch- I think so. There's some kind of relation. I didn't know that Archangel was a persona to be right. kept under Neither wraps. Neither did I. Nor did I. I thought that was a really intriguing aspect. That And, and the, this arc was really kind of a Psylocke-Archangel yeah. arc. Like, they're kind of the lead characters and their love of each other and her trying to save him and keep the Archangel persona at bay over the course of this run. And, I mean... V- I don't think I've ever read a Psylocke comic or even a Archangel comic where I cared about them before ever. I will say I, I used to read Wolverine pretty heavy, and um, I think it's in an issue of Wolverine where she comes back as Asian. And uh, I thought for a long time she was just a supporting character in Wolverine. I didn't know mm-hmm. she had a history like as Betsy Braddock and. She was Captain Britain at one point and all this kind of stuff. I had no idea she was so popular beyond. Yeah, her backstory is really weird. Yeah, it's like so retconned. And it's it's like she a was British, British woman but, yeah. in the body of an Asian woman. Well, I think the hand resurrected her into, and now I might get this wrong, so everybody just put your coffee down or buckle your seatbelts, <laughs> into a clone of Electra, maybe? I wow! I don't believe that for wow. a second. Wow, Jonesy, that's same. honestly. <laughs> I'm 
I'm glad everybody put their coffee down. <laughs> the, you know, she came back as she is Asian, but she was Thank, much British. Thankfully, right? we don't care about that backstory. It's not important. Thank God. The only thing that's really important is she's been effed with in the past, which was a recurring theme of all the characters. Every character on the X Force has been someone who hasn't been in control of themselves for an extended period of time, which I thought was a genius, you know. Maybe, obviously, it could have been planned. I don't know. Mm -hmm. But every character on the team has had a really shady past about themselves and if they were in control. I thought that was really cool. All right. I want to, can I bogart the conversation again real quick? Sure. Now, the only issue that was not part of this kind of 19-issue arc was the Wolverine uh, kind of Ronin revenge issue. So... And I thought it was a power... It should have been a Wolverine. Not sure why why it was an X-Force, but Magneto kind of gets a dossier of a, um, I guess, a, a Nazi who retired to South America. And he comes to Wolverine. And, fled. Yeah, Wolver- you know, they, they don't like each fled other. Fled to South America. It was the fled. They fled. Okay, sorry. Excuse they retire. <laughs> Nazis. Nazis yet they don't Nazis don't God, retire I feel like now I share the responsibility of being a Nazi because Dale <laughs> just put me in my place so hard <clears throat> so you know Wolverine not wanting to taint himself takes his uh, katana uh, which could be the Muramasa I don't know I thought he gave that to Cyclops but he uh, he does not flee he merely travels to South America you know finds this Nazi who's like, you know, I, I managed to have a good life and I had to live with this terrible, you know, thing that I did and it'll never be as bad as what you're going to do to me. And Wolverine's just like, yeah, whatever. And cut and, you know, kills him with the katana. And that's kind of like, <laughs> it reminds me of that issue of Ultimate X-Men where Wolverine gets sent to uh, kill the mutant who has like the toxic powers. Yeah. Remember that? Leave, also leave it to Jonesy to the first issue he wants to talk about. Uh, issue 15 of 19 <laughs> or whatever the number was. You know, I think it's uh, not a good decision to have me lead this discussion. So I'm just going to take a back seat and let you guys do what you do best. I will say that issue, when I first read that issue, I felt it was very strange when I read it monthly that Wolverine would agree to do this for Magneto and why Magneto wouldn't want to do it. Um, but there was a very poignant quote from the Nazi who, who quote unquote retired to the countryside um, he knew he knew Wolverine was there to kill him instantly, and he said to Wolverine right in the eyes, "No man outruns their past, and I hope you remember that when your victims come for you." Mm. And I thought that was such a yeah, uh, a cutting line, which I which obviously will come to haunt Wolverine later in the run. So the first trade apocalypse solution is you know your introduction to the characters the. Now I will say now famous intro to, of Deadpool to this to this run. So many people point to this run as mm-hmm. their awakening to Deadpool, so to speak, because they know him as like the goofy fourth wall breaking character. And um, and you you find out that Apocalypse is back. De- Deadpool has been hired by Warren to track him down, and he finds him. But they find out that it's a kid, so they have this struggle as to what to do. Do they kill him? And uh, you see the other horsemen, the final horsemen in this run. And you, uh, Jerome Pena's art is just earth shattering. Yeah. Like what? We're so, we're so blessed, literally blessed, 
to have at this time at this point in time doing a monthly yeah book it's true with, with a white with white on colors it's like the the perfect combo these three i'll just like to add one word to techno or techno organic and that's techno organic cape how lovely did he draw archangel's wings in their folded glory trailing behind him like a cape mm. just great mm. just fantastic the the first run is i mean this like deadpool gets his gets a lot of time to shine right up front and it's it was kind of like i mean i'm going to use the cliche word refreshing but and it was it was so different because i was expecting a little more like smack in the mouth deadpool like he's more annoying than anything but remember wrote him in such a way that like it it was almost like like Bruce Willis in the sixth sense like he, whatever he said didn't necessarily like if you removed all of his dead uh, word bubbles it wouldn't add or take away from the story but what he did say just like blended right in and didn't like stick out like an an awful sore thumb and even the way he wrote, like, the fact that he can almost never be serious, it still wasn't annoyingly zany in the face of this covert superhero team doing what needs to be done, mulling over, killing a kid kind of stuff. Like, the writing really fit this team book for Deadpool. The, the stuff, as we learn more in the run and... Cause, you know, because eventually he has a problem with them, what they did with the kid apocalypse. So this will be spoiler territory, but, you know, eventually he has a discussion with the team about how he wasn't comfortable with it and how everyone thinks he's in it for the money. And even in this trade in particular, him and Phantom X are talking about, like, why they're doing this. And Dead- and he's like, is it the money? And Deadpool's like, yeah, yeah, it's mm. the money. And it, it you you learn more about the Deadpool character as this series goes on. And his intentions about why he's really there, and uh, you know, it's it's just rare to have such a deep character study mm-hmm. for someone like yeah. Deadpool in in a book like this. Yeah, exactly. Especially when the deed is done, and you and Deadpool like leaves, goes on walkabout because of what what's transpired, or, or I can't remember if it was before or after, but you find out that he hasn't cashed a single check that Warren made out to him, which is like mm-hmm. which is crazy. The final horsemen in this trade were really well done. They're like a really eclectic group of characters that make up the final horsemen. You know, these were like Apocalypse assembled them in the event that everyone else fails. Mm -hmm. And this is their time where they get to shine. And the battles that they had with the characters and Phantom X in particular, um, he's a really weird character. He's like maybe French, but not really. And he has... like a super intelligent computer with him. He always wears a mask and his, he has like these weird mutant powers of deception where he can trick people into thinking something's happening where it's not really. And, and it, it it felt like it worked every time he needed to use it. And it tricked even the reader, Mm -hmm. you know, because you weren't sure if it was a a phantom X deception happening. Yeah. It's so cool that even with the, as a reader, you, you many times felt like Phantom X was definitely in in peril because you forget and, it, and that's that's like so well written 
because of that, you don't know when he's about to misdirect somebody. It's just, it's almost like Opania Wright just drew two or three pages of misdirection and then mm-hmm. he, you like get back to the the rest of the story and it's, 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 I don't know, it's stunt. Like, I really, where else did I read Phantom X? It must have been during the, like the Phoenix Hope stuff. Avengers versus X-Men. When I was reading one of the X-Men titles, I was reading Phantom X. But like here, he was really a character. I was like, I, I think I like Phantom X. <laughs> like starting with this run. Yeah, I, I had that same reaction. Like I think by like whatever misdirection he did. Now I can't remember because it's been like four weeks since I read this book. But it was like, I think it was, he was able to misdirect Archangel. And you're like, Archangel like split somebody in half with his wings and as a reader you're like like there's that intake of breath like oh my this is not real and then you find out it's Phantom X and then I I had like the same reaction I'm like do do I like do I like Phantom X <laughs> right there is a there, the this trait this arc culminates in them you know finding out that Apocalypse is a child and their his cronies are educating him into hating mutant kind and the X-Men and all that. So Psylocke gets there first and has a change of heart and like, you know, we can't kill this kid and there's this big discussion and eventually Phantom X does the deed and shoots the child. Mm. And you soon realize in the next arc that he's growing a kid Genesis, um, kid apocalypse. And my big misconception about this whole arc, this whole run is I could never tell if Phantom X actually killed Kid Apocalypse yeah. or he misdirected the X-Force. Same. That's, I un- thought it was a un- misdirection. Until issue 19.1 where he and Logan specifically talk about the cloned Kid Genesis. But even then, he could have just wanted to continue that farce. But there, the one line where I, which really confused me was on the tank it says Apocalypse aged 895 days. Right. So you're like, well this couldn't be like a clone of the, you know the last couple months because it wouldn't be eight hundred ninety five days. But then you have to realize that the world time moves differently in there than the rest of yeah. the planet. So I mean, I was I, utterly in confused. my he- in my head. It it would have made more sense, and maybe it's something that I missed in the re- like my original read, and maybe it is. But I felt like it may- would have made more sense if he misdirected the X Force into thinking he shot the kid, and then he just like smuggled him out of there. Yeah, that's what I. Uh, in but the I end, think, I actually think that happened. I don't that think happened. that's what happened, because he specifically uh, talks about the clone of the kid. Yeah, and that point, why continue that? Because like, I think the next the arc lie. is him going to trial for the murder of the kid, right? Uh, Isn't that what no, the next storyline is? Spoilers. I don't know. <laughs> um, two things I liked about that first arc. First of all, the line of, is my whole life just going to be standing around with people telling me to kill other people? And they're pretty much like, yeah, get used to it. Mm. And the fact that they made the ship's computer into like this grandmother to like make Apocalypse comfortable. And then after he's dead, they never change it from the grandmother. It's a grandmother for the rest of the series. (laughs) The, I, I just think, I mean, this goes back to Remender and his way to like, kind of like instill into a comic story like an older feel with like a zanier kind of storyline but have it feel like modernized like the cap in dimension z is definitely that mm-hmm. like why would cap 
like ca- a Captain America title where he spends an entire ye- like real time year or at least six issues. Yeah, but I mean, like if on a monthly basis, like there yeah. was at least eight months of comics where he was in Dimension Z. Like that's such a wacky place, but it was such a modern modern way of telling a story that like it's it's like the whole from Deadpool infiltrating with the four horsemen and like there's this like just the way that the ship was set up and just the sheer brilliance of just Apocalypse being a kid and it it was his you know his doing all along that his followers have uh, he was going to be reborn as a kid and they were going to like raise him and teach him everything that he should know as an adult Apocalypse I just I thought that was such a a great story and I also got to see the roots of uh you know where he how how that entire run of Wolverine and the X-Men like made so much more sense why he was there and the gravitas of him being who he was he's like the real deal apocalypse but it's I mean it's just such a great different run and the like you said the final horseman was I mean the confederate soldier oh, that was, was my great. favorite when he but when like, they it, capture him and he just starts drumming with his fingertips on the edge of the cell, yeah. Also, how great is his origin story too? Yeah, like it's like you're sympathetic to it. Yeah, he's and he's just like, he, he, you know, he got belt dealt a bad hand, but now he's <laughs> he's like making people pay for it. This is one of the <laughs> right. four horsemen. Of the yeah, I, the, the first trade also started a theme which I loved of Wolverine just getting like incinerated every other issue or like burned, like to, down to, to the adamantium skeleton. Yeah, I, I love those kind of R-rated moments where Wolverine yeah. just gets so effed up that he's you know inoperable for for like yeah. three issues. It's like every every transmittable disease was like infected <sighs> yeah. in his body at the same time. He was and just th- like that sizzling. scene. I want I screenshotted it, but when Wolverine is crawling to death and he's got like the every transmittable disease in his in his body and Wolverine just like crawling to him and the way he's writing it, he's like, you know, every disease ever, my heart giving out, crawl. You know, I can't see anymore, my eyes are done, crawl. And and, and then it's revealed that that was a misdirection right at the very end that death was with famine or whatever. Just gorgeous. I mean just the art team, like you can't get it any better than that. Hmm. Reminded me a lot of Astonishing, and and I do feel this book is on par with uh, our Lord and Savior, Jossus. Uh <laughs> But remember when uh, Logan makes Planetfall, and he basically is incinerated to a crisp, and Armor has to, like, wait at like as he heals. He's just, oh, yeah, like, yeah. on the ground and, like, making blood snow angels. Mm. And he's, he's <laughs> what are we doing? I have to heal. It's going to be a while. <laughs> The uh, the second arc has Acid Ribic, who had been doing covers, take over on art. And there's a point one issue, which I think maybe takes place right before this arc or during, but that one kind of de- deals with the Reavers and uh, they're, they're a part of Psylocke's shady backstory. So all you really know is that they effed with her head at the time. So she gets her revenge. And that one was a really powerful issue because she talks about how she wants to get revenge on them and kill them and when she eventually does it you know Wolverine makes a comment to her at the very end about how she doesn't seem so happy about it anymore and mm-hmm. I, like the, the the inner or the the turmoil with her and Warren 
about giving in to the hatred inside of them, she's like really scared about it. And I mean, like, you know, I took joy in killing those people. So you get to, you start to see the kind of darkness in these characters and their worry about it taking over. But the, the Deathlock Nation uh, run, it was, it's a departure because it turns into like a, a Phantom X story at first. And you get to see his like backstory with the world. And the world is like a really weird, really strange story that had to do with his first appearance in X-Men and some zany stuff. Very sci-fi. Yeah. I never, yeah. I never followed that very closely that Captain America's weapon one, Wolverine's weapon 10, Phantom X's weapon 20. Like I, I didn't really, I, I didn't read the issues where that became the recon origin of, you know, Project Rebirth and Department K. So, like, I don't know how that fits together. I don't really still understand what the world is. I mean, that kind of seems like a very it's, profound I, thing I, to say, but. I think from what I gather, it's like <laughs> the secret home base of the weapon project, the Weapon X team or whatever you want to call it. But I thought that was in Canada. Because <laughs> didn't Wolverine break out of that facility you in know, Canada? To really nail this home, to, to stiffen Jonesy's perturbed mood, is that Grant Morrison wrote those X-Men issues Figures. that revealed the world. Phantom X is probably <laughs> Grant Morrison's self-insertion into the Marvel Universe. The um, At first, I didn't... Like, the Phantom X stuff, I didn't mind. Like, the world is a very loosey-goosey thing to play with. I feel like you just write that however you want to write it, and it is it is like it fits the mold of where we need it to be. But eventually I got, like, I got, I started getting into the fact that everybody became a Deathlock. I mean, it was very Age of Ultron-ish kind of thing, but maybe it was definitely before that, but I dug it. I got into it. The strange thing is, on this second reread, it has a very Fear Agent vibe. It the, does. The, the, yes. the, the last three arcs of Fear Agent, and specifically the last you know one, about the Tataldians going through every time shift and absorbing all mm-hmm. the species until there's nothing left but the Tataldians. I mean, their design was very much like that. Um. So that kind of made me enjoy it the second time around or third or yeah. fourth time around. But Heath Houston looks a lot like Wolverine sometimes, you know? I don't think I haven't thought about that, Gen Z. <laughs> really makes you think. Hugh Jackman in the uh in the Heath Houston biopic, you know? Oh jeez. Um <laughs> But yeah, the, I I just wish they would have called the world something else. Just call it like right. Land X. Just so that I don't have yeah. to do stupid the world. Every time we talk about it, it's like, you know, if I just call it the, there's just what it like makes every conversation when you're talking about the world so almost unreadable and confusing. Yeah. And you always have to have the world, the little, you like, you have to have the little snow globe thing on panel so people know that you're referring to that world <laughs> when in, in the conversation bubbles when they bring up the world. Yeah, but this is the run where it's revealed that Evan is like being grown in a secret you know, room in the world. And that's why Phantom X was so, you know, eager to not let anyone into this certain room. Great nod that he's being raised by the Kents, essentially. Yeah. Plus, Esed Ribic's art's great in this run. I felt like it was perfect. On par with his Thor stuff, hands down. Yeah, yeah. It's so different with a different colorist. 
Mm-hmm. It's wild. Um, should we move into the the big enchilada, mm-hmm. the Dark Angel saga itself? Uh, uh. <laughs> this one, uh, they've been teasing it about how you know Psylocke is working with Warren to keep the Shadow um, Archangel at bay in his mind, and there's a story arc where one of Betsy's previous villains, the Shadow King, you know, they do battle. Uh, he, they, I think they, he, they do battle on the quote-unquote astral plane. God, whatever, sick whatever of that you want place. To call that, if you remember that from the animated series, and she thinks she has the Shadow King beat, but really, he gets in and unlocks Archangel from his cage in Warren's mind, and that sets off, you know, the rest of the run really, and uh, so now he's free, and he does. He does. He murders one of the troops that they kind of well, they're on this mission for, just in cold blood, and the tape gets out, and this reporter is about to release the story about how there's this underground X Force team and Warren's a murderer. The you know that, that the the story was great. The the one thing you know, and it's easy to look back at a run when it's completed and all this stuff when you're not thinking about the monthly grind. But this is, I think, there's this is the one issue that had for the first time not. Dean White on color, and it's like a totally different book entirely. It's just like a regular run-of-the-mill monthly X-Men comic. It's not, you know, uncanny X-Force. You're absolutely right about that. And it's, it was weird because it just felt like it would have felt more. <laughs> I would have felt more yeah. reading it with the, with the different colors. But just the fact that, like... There's got there, there will always will be an apocalypse or an apocalypse successor. So apocalypse is gone. So naturally, one of his creations will step into the shoes and fill the role. So this dark archangel, who dark you know, angel, I like it. Dark, dark d apostrophe archangel. <laughs> I mean. Save for the fact that I'm sorry, even with Yeromo Pena drawing, Archangel's powers aren't cool. <laughs> All right, he he looks he might be one of the coolest looking characters on the planet. No organic wing powers. Cape. Powers aren't cool. The cape was you the mean best. Paralyzing part. feather blades aren't uh, cool to you, Dale. <laughs> a hailstorm of them. Neurotoxin. But the idea, but the idea that this thing deep seated in Warren's mind, who is stepping into the shoes of Apocalypse, is a pretty amazing story. Mm-hmm. And you have now his teammates have to do something about it covertly. Yeah, what did they do? They like locked him in a cage, a real life cage or something to like, what do they do? They kidnapped him and put him under something and then they try to like figure out how they're going to stop him. I can't remember what they like put him in, like a crate or some of some kind. I don't remember. Yeah, to like solve for time, yeah. But uh, the, the, one of the main reasons why I love this run is it's almost like a love letter to the history of X-Men comics. You know, they have the yes. Shadow King in there, Psylocke's old uniform, mm. um, the Reavers, but this one, you know, they've, they've realized that the only way to revert his evil state is to get this thing called the Life Seed. And the only place they can get it is in the Age of Apocalypse. 
which is, you know, this revered 90s X-Men comic book series and run. And, I mean, it doesn't get any better than that. As, like a, as a grown man X-Men fan, you're like, yes, mm-hmm. let's go back to <laughs> yeah. the Age of Apocalypse. Please take us there, Rick. Mm, and that's what yeah, you get. exactly. Let's. I trust you, Rick, <laughs> to do what needs to be done. There was only one set of footprints, Rick, <laughs> yeah. coming from the Age of Apocalypse. So he, I would like. To, I was just curious about. So uh, the team springs Dark Beast from the six one six clink, like prisoner transport to the raft or something. But I just didn't know. Where else Dark Beast was relevant, like before this? Is it just they ha- don't, yeah? They like, don't ever explain that. Okay, but they, I mean, in this series, they don't ever explain that. But he oh, okay. was a holdover from the Age of Apocalypse. He made it back once that once everyone came back, or however you want to say it. Once that series ended, Dark Beast was now in our present day, and uh, you know he was a a, a villain of uh, sorts. And I guess okay. right around this time, he was imprisoned. I see, because it's because it even made mention that Wolverine is the one that, like, caught him. So he would fitting he would be the one to tr- spring him out mm-hmm. too because he needs him. But I was just curious if maybe around the same time in another series that that actually happened, or maybe it was just like Rick's just like let's just do this for the you know for the sake of the story, which is fine. Yeah, I'm actually it's not a great sure. story. I'm not sure they go into the age of, po- of apocalypse, and right away. They hit um, this alternate Manhattan, and like very first th- person they run into is Nightcrawler, mm. and that just start like that's just amazing. And Wolverine makes mention of it in his inner monologue. His inner that, monologue in this in this series is is on so on point. Yeah, it's is just remarkable how he reminisces about his buddy and he knows it's not the same person but like if he could just be there with him like during that time and obviously you know dark night crawler is not going to react like that he's very on the offensive at first he's kind of a jerk how about yeah, super jerk? Like even just not not the fact that it, you know he's ordered to fight the intruders or whatever. He's just like a nasty kind of bad attitude person. I mean, plus that you get into this other world as Wolverine. He kind of takes center stage in this in this arc. But Sabretooth is there, and you have to deal with the Sabretooth being a yeah. good guy in this world. So that's a mind f in and of itself. This guy's right. literally ruined your life a hundred times over, <laughs> and he's considered a hero in this world. And, I mean, not only that, but Jean Grey is alive. She literally just died in your arms a couple months back. Yes, it's like Wolverine's mind F mm-hmm. storyline. <laughs> that could have like been it's less, Yeah, it's less about get the life seed to stop Apocalypse and more like let's just ruin, like let's just add to the whatever's wrong with Wolverine. <laughs> let's just add a mo- more emotional baggage. Because it's all there for him. And he makes mention of it all in this painful yeah. inner monologues. Jean Grey, alive. They share some things. Share Bodily them. fluids. <laughs> and then, I mean, on top of that, he meets this young woman. Uh, what was her name? Uh, Kirika. And he... Yeah. Oh, my God, that's right. He, like, oh, I can't remember if they... Oh, I think they introduce her as Kirika Yoshida. 
and he has this moment where he realizes this is he and Mariko's daughter that they never had in his present day. I mean, how is he holding it together at this point, Logan? Even more, especially, like, he falls in love with his would-be daughter, and then I feel like 19 seconds later, she's dead. She is. She's so, a, I mean, I mean, let's continue the mind F. He meets his would-be daughter. She's fabulous. He's a, she's everything he dreamed of in a right, daughter with exactly. Mariko that never had because she died and he had to kill her because she was poisoned and he needed to end it quickly. So they they go on a mission and Kirika is incinerated instantly <laughs> and her burning rotting corpse is in front of him and who did it? But it's himself from this other timeline. <laughs> I mean, come yes. on. Where yeah. he is apocalypse. <laughs> oh, right. God. And if it, if it were like anybody else getting mind effed, Wolverine would be like, this is part of the job. This is a team. He is constantly coaching the other Get your ass together. Through the whole run. But his... This is just part of the job. You got to shake it off. Forget about it. I, Compartmentalize. Yeah, I, I mean, I can't trump up Rick any more than I already have, but he... <laughs> His he excels at the inner monologue of the downtrodden. Like when you're yeah. going through something, the the character, you you feel it, and he does it so well. He does it in any other book, but in this one, especially with Wolverine, you're like, man, I'm sorry, buddy, and you want right. to just give him a big old hug. Like, does it have to be all this? Does it have to be part of the job right now? <laughs> like, this is how could you do any worse? And uh, this is a. The other side story that was going on around this time was uh, Psylocke was really pissed with Phantom X about killing the kid. And they had this kind of, you know, uh, I don't know what you would call it, but there's some, not flirtatious, but just like Sexual tension? Boiling sexual tension between the two. And it came to a head finally when they had their their big argument because she had been pissed at him for many issues and they kiss. um, And then they, you know, scatter after that. But that had been building up for a while. I mean, I enjoyed it, honestly. Yeah, it was good. It, was good. Uh, it felt like right. The timing was right. I mean, it was, you definitely saw it kind of coming, and then it happened, which was fun. It was just awesome. Worst case scenario happens. They get stuck in Age of Apocalypse. Shocker. And they right. come up with a plan to get out, and they eventually That's do. Right. But then yeah. uh, Dark Angel Saga Book 2, which is when they finally get back to Earth. Dark Beast, booby, uh, you know, double... What do you call that? Triple crosses them. Triple triple crosses them. They get back to Earth with the uh, life seed, but the final horseman had freed Archangel, so all hell is about to break loose, and they were about to do battle. And uh, there's there's a few things about this final trade, um, which I thought was interesting. Psylocke gets a new costume, which is more flattering and less sexy. Did you notice that she got like a, a costume that covered up her ass cheeks? And it was a really nice looking costume because she kind of had that electric costume for the whole run Mm, up until like the last few issues of this book, which I thought was very fascinating. Mm -hmm. So I wonder what spurned that. I mean, outside of the obvious, but um, this was the big battle. Archangel's speeches were great. Um, The one negative I would have for this run is I felt like Opeña ran out of steam towards the end of this. Mm. I felt like... uh, he was like, he gave it all he had, but maybe the deadlines were too tough. Some of the spots toward maybe like the last issue or the last two issues, it didn't have the kind of detail and there was a lot of shading going on that Dean White kind of had to maybe work overtime to make it look better. Mm. But 
just the whole storyline was great with Archangel, like, you know, starting evolution over again in that town. The whole thing was great. How about the, uh, to that point, the masterstroke of Archangel, you know, Phoenix decides, you know, I have the power of the Phoenix Force. You know, you're sitting there like, oh, this is it. This is how they finally beat Archangel. And nothing happens. And he's like, you don't understand the Phoenix. So it's exactly what I do to burn the world down and rise from the ashes. Mm-hmm. And you're like, right. oh, yeah. shucks. They're not going <laughs> to make it. Nothing. There's nothing <laughs> holding this guy back now. Yeah, there's there's certain story beats where you get a villain in this book and you, you feel like maybe he's going to win because I can't really see a way out of this and he's pretty confident, so maybe this is it. I thought, we, I thought honestly, before the most wonderful issue ever between Psylocke and Archangel, I thought that he was going to bring about the Age of Apocalypse and they were going to have to go back in time you know, it was going to be like a time travel, like the third arc was going to be a time travel book where they've actually lived in this age for X amount of years and they find the technology to go back to like a moment, you know, maybe it was even when they're about to kill Kid Apocalypse and they have to change the timeline. That's what I really saw going. I didn't see the, the ending of this arc quite mm. the same way when I got there. But that brings me to, you know, Psylocke bites the bullet, you know, kills her lover and then gives him a psychic life like an entire life with her in a matter of moments she like feeds it into his brain so he can have a happy ending before he kind of dies you know in the snow i mean one of the i mean i talked about it when it first came out years ago and it just hit me right in the heart light the second time around just turned my heart light right on just amazing yeah and and then even then you get the the wrap up for their relationship where she gives mentally the life that they never can have now, mm-hmm. and then he returns from the the ashes of the site, and she's like, you know, so happy. She gives him a kiss, and he has no idea who she is. Like, ugh, man, poor Silas. And yeah. the worst part is, Remender is such a bee that uh, you know they kiss and it's passionate, and you're like, oh my god, they're gonna have their happy ending, and he's just like. Um. Okay, so who are you? And you're like, what? <laughs> Which definitely also explains why he's such like a Fruit Loop in Wolverine and the X Men. Mm-hmm. He's like uh, that. That he's like a cardboard uh, cutout. That girl from Harry Potter, <laughs> Luna. He's like Luna from Harry Potter. <laughs> it's like free, free love, free wheeling. Yeah, I mean, how beautiful when. She's holding like his head, and when she gives him that mental imagery, and I can't remember if it's Wolverine. Phantom X is like, "We gotta go. This whole place is coming down." And she's just like, "Just leave me here." And she's just like lifeless, getting like drug away. She's like, "Just leave me." <laughs> oh God, so good. Yeah, it was it was great. I mean, the, such a good run. I mean, and it's the the, the problem is you have to do some hardcore convincing to get somebody to read like an entire run of somebody's comic, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So, but it's so worth it. I just I obviously I never read it monthly, so to be able to read it now mm, is a is a real treat. Real treat. How about a uh, Kid Genesis coming back out where they like unleash him from his VR life 
as like a Phantom oh, X's yeah. last ditch effort. He's like, you know, it's <laughs> time then, like, to be woke, a hero. Great comedic. They, like, broke uh, him out early. Great comedic beat when he's like, tell my parents that I love them. And he's like, oh, uh, yeah, sure. <laughs> I get right. I'll get right on that. <laughs> I mean, how even when they get when he interrupts him, he's like in his farmhouse wearing his high school jacket mm-hmm. and uh-huh, baseball cap, yeah. eating cereal with his little white like, face and blue lips. Yeah. Oh man. I, I, the final issue too. The the point one issue where he has this discussion with Wolverine. He's like, "Why did you clone him and raise him?" And Phantom X, his reasoning was. Uh, you know, he just wanted to see that with a different upbringing, can someone who became evil, can they be a hero? Can they be super? And just a beautiful conversation about why he would do that. And yeah, him looking back probably on his own life and seeing, you know, if things were different, what would have happened? And just perfect reasoning. And especially because he's the one that pulled the trigger, you know? So it's it's just like nice that he is in a total d-bag even though he did kill him <laughs> his clone doesn't know that right yeah you know? yeah yeah uh but yeah oh, just man. beautiful beautiful i mean in a perfect world it didn't really happen with fear agent it had you know two and three and four artists but i just in a perfect world i imagine jerome Pena doing this whole thing i don't care if it took mm-hmm. 10 years but man, can you imagine just the same team? But yeah, beautiful stuff overall. Still beautiful, still amazing. The first half of this run, such a cool concept for a book. It's rare, definitely high execution. Yeah, and beautiful. I, I mean, you you came out of this run halfway through, obviously, but you you come out with like a new found respect for Psylocke, who. Up until this point, you know, maybe I haven't read enough, but up until this point, wasn't a worthwhile character for myself. Like, I didn't have any vested interest in that character. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, even at the end when she's fighting uh, Archangel and he's, like, beating her down, telling her that she's nothing, you know, I didn't love you, you could never be something. And she, like, uses the full force of her power and says, you know, I'm more than you could ever know. And you you instantly care about that character mm-hmm. because of what they're going through. That's that's like really difficult to do in comic books. You know, I think somewhere out there, there's probably somebody that this is their dream team of X-Men when it first started out. But credit to Rick Remender, you know, the only person I cared about in the cast when it started was Wolverine. And by the end, I was like, these are the perfect five X-Men that I could think of. Like, it just, it grows from a team that I don't care about to like, you're always going to remember this lineup. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, this is my X-Force, you know? Yeah. Plus, I mean, it's to Marvel's benefit, really, to get someone to do that, because now you're like, oh, Psylocke's got a new series. They're like, okay, yeah, maybe I'll check that out. Mm-hmm. Or Psylocke is in this book, or Phantom X appears here. You're you're more willing to give it a shot now. Oh, certainly. Mm-hmm. I, read, I read a Phantom X comedy book where he just misdirects people. I would read that book. <laughs> I mean, those but like in, but in non-detrimental ways. Like he doesn't. <laughs> so they're not killing each other, but right, they're just like in everyday life. He's they're getting misdirected. I mean, when he used those misdirections and that he was like escaping somewhere, you felt so good. Like when you saw yeah. that they were alive and like 
you know, on the run. You're like, oh, God, thank God they're okay because that was it. Yeah, you know, it's funny. It's like you want to ask, like, how do people keep falling for it? But then you're like, how do I keep falling for it? <laughs> right. How about the uh, the only name they have for it is misdirection? Like they have to spell <laughs> that out every time. They doesn't have a name for a special power. Why didn't they could have just called it the world? You know, talking about that. <laughs> Grant and Jonesy's favorite writer to the stars. Yeah. We got your letters. I'm gonna open them up. Farrington's gonna read them to you. We should have recorded another episode where we just do the letters this week, huh? Oh boy, oh my gosh, we're already in an hour too. Letters at paperkeg.com. You should just let it run an hour. Uh, first letter. Uh, listener lightning round from our dear friend at Top 5 Bananas. He writes Dragon Ball, volumes 4 to 6, uh, written and drawn by Akira Toriyama. Uh, after competing in the Tenkai Chi martial arts tournament, Goku resumes his quest for the Dragon Balls, only to discover the dreaded Red Ribbon, Ribbon Army is also searching for them. Despite being 30 years old, the imaginative story, goofy humor, and beautiful art have survived the test of time. Uh, thank you, Top 5 Bananas, and maybe the only Dragon Ball mention we've ever had in Paper Keg, 249 yeah. episodes. That's actually a first. Top 5 that's Bananas, crazy. that's a Paper Keg first, thanks to you. Uh, that's Top 5 Beast. Yeah, he's bringing the heat for real. Um, maybe it's some we you know maybe one of the mangas we ever, we look into for manga manga keg maybe we'll talk about it. we got to finish Pluto too. There's a list, oh, guys. All right, Pluto. we know there's oh a list. Everyone. Plus, Scotty has to come back on. When we do Pluto, we might have to just redo the first oh, volume with it. Yeah, we might have to do one through nine. Fudge, freaking fudge. Episode <laughs> three hundred, right around the corner. Uh, final, so the next letter uh, comes from. Uh, <laughs> Friend of the show, silent friend of the show, uh, Javon, uh, long-time listener, and I was wondering if you guys had a chance to watch Captain America Civil War yet. So what are your opinions on it, and where does the movie rank in your top 10 all-time Marvel movies? Did the movie end the way you thought it would? Can we get an episode on the review of the movie? <laughs> I thought the movie was great and wanted your opinions on it. Thanks in advance. Thank you, uh, Javon. Thanks for writing in. I he's uh, He is... Definitely a, a listener. He just doesn't. He just doesn't write. He just so hates for us. listening to one. Um, I guess maybe we could say that for uh, the very end if we got time. I mean, that way we, that'll be definitely like stop here because of spoilers. If we want to get into we, it, now. I don't know. Should we do an episode on it, or is it too oh. far gone? You know what? We could do an episode on it. Maybe we should do that next movie keg. Next movie keg. Mm. One final time. Uh, next. <laughs> Next letter from friend of the show at Very Exciting. He writes, hey guys, it's been a bit, but here we go. The Punisher number one written by Becky Cloonan, art by Steve Dillon. Uh, expecting something truly messed up from Becky Cloonan left me a little let down by the first issue of her Punisher title. The finale that should have been creepy felt like a bit of a retread of something done in a DC book recently. Thanks. Raining on your parade. Exciting. Just kidding. I didn't read it, but I'm, I'm sure you're you're spot on. Wait, I wanted he, to. Did he uh, actually say "rang in your parade"? Or no, I just, I just, I just, oh. I ad libbed that part. You know, 
Look out. <laughs> writer. Show writer. Uh, next up is... Uh, I like I like the Punisher issue. Just, I'll say that. I'm still going to read it, so... At Troy to the Max on Twitter. Of the... Uh, of the... Um, Imperious Rex. Off-topic. And the Off-topic Review Review Podcast. Fellas, you hearing that the new X-Men flick is not faring so well? This year was supposed to be cram-stuffed full of comic book movie goodness, but with uh, Batman vs. Superman not faring so well, and the new X-Men movie may be following suit, what's in store for the rest of the year? Up next is uh, TMNT2, then Suicide Squad, then lastly, Doctor Strange. So if the pattern stays true of every other movie spreading its bee cheeks and taking a big steamy on your lap... <laughs> oh, God. Turtles will rock, Suicide Squad may stink, and Doctor Strange will round round out the year with some Marvel proper quality. Anyway, what are you guys most pumped for with Civil War now behind us? I'm most pumped. Also, oh, so there's more matter. My bad. <laughs> Sorry. Slow down. <laughs> Let me just jump in your craw real quick, Dale. Also, I just read, uh, read Renato Jones' The 1% and really enjoyed it, and that's from a uh, friend of the show, Kari Kyle Andrews. Anywho, that's it. That's from at uh, Troy to the Max. So uh, thanks, T3 Max, as I shortened to. I don't know. I mean, I don't know. Suicide Squad, they showed the latest trailer during Civil War. Might have been a little too much trailer. Uh, it's, that probably means they're just giving away too much. For the record, point. listeners, Dale hates trailers of yeah. any sort. Noted so. trailer hater. Yeah, I try to. Uh, I try not to watch any. Close your trailers. eyes or leave to get popcorn during the trailers of Civil War. I sh- yeah, I, yeah, I should have. He he might have been well peppered with some alcohol. You know, oh, look out, look out! I'm peeling back the it kimono was, uh, a little bit. Cinco de Mayo. Oh, look out! Look uh, out. I can't believe Doctor Strange is coming out already this year. I feel like I've I yeah feel like it just started. I feel like that was rushed because Benedict Cumber. Botch is so popular. It's Cumberbatch. Thanks for the uh, critique. <laughs> Appreciate it. Our next letter comes to us from... Dude, wasn't there a, st- a question in that or something? Oh, what are we like most a... looking forward to? I, I think I was going to be snarky. I think I was just going to say I look forward to most watching Civil War for a second time. Oh. Quite honestly, I, I, um, I didn't see the first one, but the movie for the second Turtles movie looks pretty fun. The first one was actually pretty good. And entertaining, yeah. I caught okay. ten minutes of the Turtles movie, the climax, and I thought it was really good. People, people crapped on it because they looked different and stuff. Yeah, um, the uh, that yeah. Shredder fight on the rooftop, I thought it was awesome. Mm-hmm. I'm thinking about going back and watching the whole thing. Spoilers. Uh, he, they fight Shredder. Spoilers. <laughs> uh, next letter <laughs> from Bruiser Dog on the Twitters at Bruiser underscore Dog. Uh, listener Ultra Lightning Around. Ooh, there we go. Uh, one sentence or less uh, synopsis for a book. You guys listening to this? One sentence. Whew. Daredevil, issue 12 by Mark Wade and Chris Somney. The cheesiest, most over-the-top, most amazing car chase and lawyer innuendo ever printed, ever. And then he writes a second sentence where he writes, Finn. So I'm not sure he's following his own rules there, but I'll take it. Maybe that's just his email signature. <laughs> that's part yeah. of it. Could be. Could be. Yeah, could be. <laughs> At Bruiser Dog on Twitter, thank you. Uh, thanks for the uh, tweet engagement, etc. Thanks for the letter. 
<laughs> what a sentence. Thanks for your tweet engagement. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to add that to any tweet I get <laughs> instead of favor. Thanks, thanks for your engagement. A little can You're gonna tweet. You're going to retweet it, quoting that tweet with that line <laughs> on it. Because, you know, I don't fave tweets. I don't like tweets. Tweets if people reply to me. It's, that's well documented on the show. I hate Right, yeah. Engagement. Even when it's thrown in your face. Yeah, I don't, just don't do it. You don't do it. Next up, Joel Nito at Nito underscore NMS. Oh, we did throw an editor's note pronounced Nieto. Oh, oh, yeah. You know what? He's okay. Nieto. Marico. Must be Italian. <laughs> hey, fellas. I wanted to sincerely, apo- sincerely apologize for taking the show in a direction Slim would have never wanted it to go. My mother raised me better, and Mark would be rolling in his grave had he heard me, had he heard the whole end deep comment in the last week's letter. <laughs> in private, I refer to the whole shameful debacle as hashtag nutgate <laughs> and would prefer if you guys never mention it again. So allow me to make amends with my quick and humble review of American Alien number two, written by Max Landis with pencils by Tommy Lee Edwards. I had no sooner shook the froth off my D after Lannis' first issue, that I decided to jump right into issue two. Neato NMS, you're thick with it. You're thick with it. With an intriguing cover. He's, he's, he's Nieto. dancing on the line Nieto. right now. Nieto. Dancing on the line. He's straddling on that bad boy. <laughs> with an intriguing cover of Clark's mugshot, practically causing me to punch the iPad upwards from my lap. I was disappointed to find the art and uneven tone of the plot washing over me like a softening wave from Lake Flaccid. (laughs) Making both me and this story feel both lifeless and a bit too short. Again, thanks for for giving voice to the voiceless. You guys are heroes to us all. Uh, P.S. My last name was best pronounced by Dale last week. When he talks... I've always thought he was Latino. Uh, me too. <laughs> How did I say it last week? Which is probably know. two weeks ago at this point. <laughs> Amazing. I just I try to uh, enunciate. You know, my Italian classes. Uh, I'm fishing now, but they kind of train me. And in... it's gonna be hard to top that letter. Oh yeah. Whew. I think we're gonna get real in this next letter. We are gonna get Super real. Real. Uh, next letter entitled "The Burning City." Uh, hey guys, this real. letter comes hashtag real hashtag very real. Uh, hey guys, this letter comes pretty late, but I thought the subject matter was interesting, so better late than never. Uh, my brother and his wife moved to China. I should probably say this is from uh, our dear friend under an anchor on the Twitter. Uh, my brother and his wife moved to China a few years ago and now live in Nanjing. Wow. After the Burning City episode, I asked my brother about the attack and why we as Americans don't know much about it. He said it has everything to do with politics and the government subtly shaping people's opinion. Politically, Japan and the U.S. became allies later on. So that could explain why any resentment Americans might have toward the Japanese ends at the bombing of Pearl Harbor. He said it's interesting to see how pop culture plays a part, too. More often than not, Western movies set in that era have our army fighting Nazis. Over there, he says the bad guys are almost always Japanese. There is a memorial in the city that he and his wife haven't visited yet because they hear it's pretty brutal and emotionally taxing. He said the Chinese aren't shy about being explicit, so the stories and footage there are some of the most gruesome things you'll ever see. 
For the Chinese, it's a memory that will never go away. And he said to this day, you'll see bumper stickers essentially saying F Japan. Uh, Apparently, the Japanese did very similar things to Korea and the Filipinos around the same time. Uh, On a high note, I told him about the book and its author, and he ordered it. He doesn't read comics at all, so thanks to Paper Keg, we've made a new reader. Uh, Hooray for comics. Lastly, I'm sure you guys were just as sad as I was here that we lost Darwin Cook. Any plans for a Cook tribute episode? I was going through my collection, and his run on the Spirit was pretty great, as well as before Watchmen, Minutemen. Obviously, he was known for his beautiful art, but man, the guy could write too. Kryptonite by him and Tim Sale is one of my favorites. Trial of the Catwoman and Batman Ego were great as well. Sheesh, too many to name. Anyway, for, sorry for such a long downer of an email, but hopefully Dragonfro comes in hot with a zinger to lift our spirits. Love you, babes. Sean. Uh, I, I say we should read Batman Ego. That's That was one I always never picked up and I was very interested in. I say we do the Catwoman book. Oh. You know what? Boy. I say we do all three. Oh my God! That's that's it. Wow. Could Jonesy, be it. Jonesy wearing his producer hat right now, which is dusty. I don't. I don't rarely do I wear it. Uh, under an anchor, I, I honestly I can't. Like that's very cool of you to reach out to your brother like that, like like that, and uh, to get his thoughts about that uh, about Nanjing now pronounced Nanking mm. in the world, but. Um, yeah, that's yeah, that's pretty real stuff, and he and your brother's spot on. Um, I'm actually listening. I'm in the middle of listening to a like a very comprehensive um, book on the war, and it's true that you know it, it is all politics, and you know how governments controlled the stories after and stuff like that. And for the t- like during the time, and you ask any veteran of that of the war. The Japanese were uh, notoriously savage and barbaric to any any land they were trying to occupy, and and you just don't hear about that kind of stuff. But that would make sense over there, especially in China, because at the time, I mean, China was tr- like they were trying to take over. They had control of like a third of the planet at a certain point during the war, and you just don't you don't hear about that over here. It's all Nazis over here, but during the same exact time. You know the the allies were fighting the Japanese too, and uh, they were battling. I mean, they were hardcore trying to infiltrate China. You just don't hear about that in in our history books and stuff like that. But wow, it's got to be. I mean, and if and if the, the what he says is true about the memorial there being like hardcore, honest, and unapologetic, then you probably see some stuff that would wake wake you up big time. Mm. It's uh, it's crazy, man. That war was crazy. The people fighting in it, crazy. Just got. Speaking of uh, which, we got a, a hot one under the wire. I'm not sure if both what? of you noticed it. If oh yeah, just for the record, guys, this is 11 p.m. on a Saturday night. We're recording this, and we're getting letters hot. I mean, this is what this is what the people do for our show. On a Saturday night. This might go down they, as the record. They could be playing Rocket League right now. They could be, you know, wooing some lady. Bedding I mean, some, bedding their wives, bedding their ladies or men. It it could be whatever it is. And they're writing us. Probably post-coitus at this point. It is 11 p.m. <laughs> that means, 11 p.m. means we can get 10, 10 Rocket League games in tonight, maybe? Oh God, 12? 
We got Jersey math. Come on, here we go. Let's do it. Last letter, hot, from at Dino Neil Man on the Twitter. Uh, he writes, listener on lightning round, Q my, and by me, I mean Jonesy's, uh, he writes it Johnsy, one of my favorite spellings of the name, uh, lightning sounder, <laughs> infinite vacation, issue number one, written by Nick Spencer and art by Christian Ward. <coughs> Dale, this is your letter, I just realized, so if you want to read it. Oh, yeah, sure, I'll finish that. This is a story where the characters can purchase alternate versions of themselves through a smartphone app to change how things go in their life, and I'm glad this book is in my current reality. With a story unlike anything I've read before and great psychedelic art to complement, I'm pumped to see how it continues. That's a Neil at Dino Neil Man on the tweet on the Twitters. Uh, Dino Neil Man, thanks for your tweet engagements. <laughs> <laughs> Dino Neil Man gets definitely gets the underscore reco this week. I uh, underscore reco of the week. I think I liked his regular. There is his regular his previous email where he says, uh, "If he meets, if we meet his brother on Rocket League, we have to call him a coward contractually." Yeah, maybe we'll see him tonight when we play. Get a few games in, you know. Mm. Maybe we'll see you tonight. <laughs> what a show! Could be the longest show we've ever done. Oh my gosh. Definitely the good. most letters. Next week, we close it out. We turn off the lights mm. for Uncanny X Force. Something unresistible, and in the end is right. It's hard to top that. Tell you what. No. <laughs> it's always been 249 episodes. Something <laughs> We'll see everybody next week. Hope you hear the team if you leave. on oh there it goes it's already been it's already been on are you kidding me jones and i played the other night and we mm-hmm. got hustled oh yeah we had real we had our first game we trounced this team of three and then the next six games they made us their little bees oh, man. yeah we tried we tried two on two for a while and you know we had to regroup. We often we <laughs> regrouped to the main screen together. I just I had never I had never seen like it's classic Rocket League. You know they're veterans, so they hide their status. I'm gonna hide my status tonight. Tell you what, that's it. Yep, Let's all that's the it. first steps into uh, greatness. I, I debuted a new car. Oh, you know? okay. I can't wait to see that you know, in a couple minutes. About to bait you. You know what I mean? <laughs> I got a great hat on it. Fantastic hat. Yeah, it was a good hat. I had a good feeling about that hat. Mm. You know? Didn't help us. No, it didn't. Mm. Didn't help us one bit. I was off. I was off my game. It was like, you know, something was wrong with my engine.
metaphysically. Oh, yeah. I don't right. know. Something's and off. When, and when there's something wrong with your Rocket League car's engine, that Rocket League car isn't going to go in life. So maybe you need something to, uh, wor- some work on that engine, you know, to uh, physically and mentally get that engine to the point where you can continue in your Rocket League car engine can function as normal <laughs> with the proper fuel, the proper interactions with people and physical activities to make your Rocket League car engine feel complete and whole. 